Welcome to the Faithful Fathering Podcast. Again, this is uh, Rick Wirtz. Thank you for joining us. I'm founder and president of Faithful Fathering, where we encourage and equip dads to be faithful fathers. Uh, and uh, we also engage, encourage dads to engage in raising a godly generation by reinvigorating the church. We do uh, work primarily through churches to establish a core group of dads that'll help raise the bar uh, in the church. And, uh, and that's what we do as a ministry, invest in relationship with a core group of dads inside the body of Christ, and then uh, provide you with a, a one-page uh, strategy and a, actually a playbook that allows you to implement some of the strategies that uh, Faithful Fathering is all about. But in this podcast series, we're again uh, referencing a construction project. Uh, it's uh, men need to sp- build a spiritual wall analogous to the wall Nehemiah built in 445 B.C. And I always say that, you know, when Nehemiah built a wall to, not a wall to isolate Jerusalem and the Israelites, but a wall to delineate uh, Jerusalem as the holy city and the Israelites as God's people to be different than the outside world. And I think that's what we face today as men and as husbands, as fathers, that uh, we have to be different than society. People have to see something different in us. And to continue this dialogue, we've already had, uh, this is the fourth in a series of four sessions that uh, address this particular topic, this construction project, where we uh, talk first about the the foundation, the foundational relationship with Jesus the Christ. Uh, We've talked about building the walls of Christ's likeness and hanging those gates of spiritual disciplines. And uh, so we're gonna talk about how that, how we really apply that in, in our spiritual walk and our own spiritual maturity as men. And again, in the, in the studio with us today is Mr. Dan Davis. Thank you again, Dan, for joining us. Dan is a city councilman at, uh, in Manville, Texas, and uh, husband and uh, father of two. Happy to be here. Glad you're here. And uh, as we uh, wrap up this this series, uh, you know, it, it, faithful fathering is all about practical application of the Word of God in our lives. I, I look back at my own personal journey, and and it's only reading through Scripture multiple times that I began to really embrace the Heavenly Father as my mentor, uh, along with other uh, father figures in my life and what have you. But it's it's so foundational that we mature, take responsibility to mature uh, spiritually as as a dad, and particularly when we're you know I would say that's why our Heavenly Father shares a moniker Father with us. He expects us to emulate him uh, better today than yesterday, more tomorrow than today. But uh, as, as we review and, and think about uh, your own personal journey, uh, Dan, uh, are, are there times in your life where there really was, uh, you know, I, we talked about the facts of Jesus, uh, you know, being that uh, he was before what is was, uh, he was born of the virgin, he uh, was blessed by his father, he lived that sinless life, and he obeyed his father all the way to the point of death, even death on the cross. And then he put death Death to sin. He walked out of that tomb. He, he, he rose from the dead. Uh, he uh, appeared to his disciples and to the many. And finally, he he uh, uh, ascended back to the Father. And we know he will come again. Uh, are there some aspects about that in your journey as a as a man, husband, and father that uh, you realize that there's something that tried to get a wedge in this understanding of who Jesus was? I think that's a, a fantastic question because the, the best thing that we can do as fathers is we can represent Christ to our children. We're not going to be perfect, but Christ is perfect. And if we're present and engaged in our kid's life 
lives doing everything that we can to represent the Father to them, to represent Christ to, to them, to represent the giftings of Holy Spirit to them, then we are equipping them to go out into the world and to be su successful. We are equipping them to fulfill the call that God has placed on, on their lives. And in my own life, I think the, the thing that I've been challenged with in regards to being able to represent Christ to my children has been distractions, mm -hmm. just generally distractions. We constantly have different messages, different themes, different uh, stories, different activities that constantly are coming before us every single day that you can pick and choose between a thousand different things to, to do. You pick up your phone, you can easily get distracted. You're driving down the road, you're seeing a thousand billboards that are constantly dis distracting mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. And distractions can take you off of the path that God has you on and being the father of your children that you're meant to be. We need to make every concerted effort as fathers to take time every single day to prioritize our relationship with Christ. Because as we do that, then we can properly represent Christ to our, our children. It allows us to have our compass reoriented to the direction that it needs to be in, in life. Mm -hmm. Those temptations and those distractions are still going to come your way, especially with areas that you've struggled with in the past. As a father, if you've struggled with pornography, if you've struggled with alcoholism, if you've struggled with drugs, whatever it might be that you've struggled with, those temptations and those distractions are still going to come your way. But if you take time every day to constantly inspect yourself, to figure out where your cracks are, to reorient yourself using the Bible and using your relationship with Christ, it will help you stay focused on being what your kids need you to be. That's a great point. You, you talked earlier about uh, obedience being the main thing, and that's uh, certainly what Jesus emulated. He, he said he didn't emulate. He, he set the standard for obedience all the way to the point of death, even death on the cross. So when we're trying to obey as men, we're trying to be perfect. You're Like I said, we're not going to be perfect, but, but our job as dads is always to point to the perfect one. But uh, that's why our one-liners, dads becoming heroes. That, uh, that, that isn't to say that we're going to be the hero or becoming hero because the only true hero is Jesus the Christ. But when you talk about obedience, the devil's always there to say, uh, you know, you can't do that. You know, I'm going to get you. You know, you need to look at this. You need to go do this. You need to compromise this. And he stirs up, if it's, if it's something that has been in your past, he stirs up that guilt. And uh, so that, that initiates that crack, doesn't it? And then as we get, as that crack opens up, then if we entertain something, then that, that opens up any further. Have you found that, that it's that guilt piece that, that opens that crack sometimes? I think it's the, the, the guilt piece. I, I think it's also the devil recognizes this is an area that we've been weakened in the past, mm -hmm. and he tries to exploit that. Mm -hmm. uh, practical way that I can relate this. If you are interested in buying, let's say a Ford F-250, that's navy blue with nice big tires that's lifted up a little bit, all of a sudden when you're driving down the road, you're gonna start to notice the Ford F-250s more than you ever noticed before because now your mind is thinking about that. You're paying attention, you're paying attention to that. So if you have areas in the past where as a father you've struggled with whatever it might be, it could be a variety of different things an addiction, whatever it is. The devil knows that that might be something that you as a person are a little bit more sensitive to. And so the devil will absolutely, time and time again, try to come in and exploit that. Mm. He'll try to come in and he'll try to take advantage of that. 
And that's why it's extremely important to not only be spending the time every single day with your Bible, reading your Bible, praying, regular occurrences of fasting, but also surrounding yourself with a group that supports you, Mm -hmm. that you've connected heart to heart, that you've shared visions with each other. Mm -hmm. You know where they're going, they know where you're going, and you can challenge and push and hold each other accountable to to reach the things in life that you're reaching for. Mm -hmm. So many times in life we try to do it alone. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's the the American spirit, maybe it's just because as men we're stubborn and we like to try to do things ourselves. But more times than, than not, whenever you try to strive on your own and you try to do things on your own, you try to do things without Christ, you try to do things without friends and a support group that's going to be there for you, more times than not, you're going to fail. Mm-hmm. And you're going to fail, you're going to fail hard. And there's not going to be anybody there to pick you up. Mm-hmm. But if you focus on God, if you surround yourself with, with the right people, you still might fail, but you're going to have people there that are going to help pick you up and make sure that you're heading in the right direction. And that's a great point. Now, would you would you agree that? Uh, but there also has to be that sensitivity to your own weaknesses. That uh, you know, when the when the devil throws something up there, that uh, you've got to recognize it very quickly. And I always think of Second uh, Corinthians ten five. It says, uh, you know, you have to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ before. Because sometimes your buddies aren't around right there, right? So you have to keep your head, you know, head in the game and know that uh, these are vulnerable points. You know, maybe after a certain hour, uh, 10 o'clock at night on the computer, you don't do that. You shut that sun gun down. You know, whatever the whatever's out there. If you down. have a, if you have uh, challenges in the past with alcohol, you're not going to go and spend time in a bar. Right. You're just you're not gonna you're not gonna do that. So I think that takes a certain level of emotional intelligence, a certain level of self awareness awareness certain level, as we've talked about, of maturity mm-hmm. as, as well, mm-hmm. to understand that I'm going to stay away from, from certain things. Mm-hmm. In my own life, I have a very addictive personality. Mm-hmm. I just, I do. Whether it's sports, whether it's uh, running marathons, I'm just, when I start something, I get very, very hooked onto it. Mm-hmm. So I know that in the past that I've had family members that have struggled with alcohol. Mm-hmm. I don't touch alcohol. Mm-hmm. My parents... You know, whenever my my, kid, my brothers and I were born, they never touched alcohol. It just We haven't grown up around it. But I, I know and I'm keenly aware in my life of my sensitivity as a personality mm-hmm. and what alcohol can do to people. Mm-hmm. So I just stay away from it. Mm-hmm. I don't even I don't even want to try messing with it mm-hmm. because if you give the devil an inch, he's bound to take right. a, a foot. And so having that maturity is an extremely important thing. And something from a very practical sense that I would encourage the fathers to do is to do what's called a SWOT analysis, mm-hmm. which is talks about your strengths, your weaknesses, your opportunities, and your, your threats. Mm-hmm. It's something that many men can, you can Google about how to do it. But every year I take time to do a SWOT analysis on myself. Mm-hmm. And then I go to my family and my friends and I say, hey, can you guys do this on me as, as well? Mm-hmm. Because... I want to know where my opportunities lie and what threatens those opportunities because I want to eliminate those threats. Mm -hmm. I want to know where my strengths are so I can continue to build upon those strengths. But then I also want to recognize where my weaknesses Mm -hmm. are because maybe I can't necessarily address those weaknesses, but I can surround myself with people where I might be weak. You might be, you might Mm -hmm. be strong Mm -hmm. and just being keenly aware of that and working and striving and pushing towards that is important. Paul says that, we don't run the race just to run the race. We run it to win a prize. Mm-hmm. For us as Christians, as men, as fathers, Christian fathers, spiritual fathers, our 
prize is not a, a tangible thing that we might see in life, but it's at the end of the, our life, hearing, as you mentioned, our Father say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're running towards. Mm-hmm. And if we keep that in mind and we stay focused like a horse with the blinders on, I believe we can achieve that. Sure, sure. And that uh, you said two things very, very clearly. One is sensitivity to where you are vulnerable, and then really the vulnerability with, uh, with others to uh, go through such an analysis and what have you. That's uh, well said. So, so with our foundation solid, we uh, built the walls, the walls of Christ's likeness, conformance to Christ, where we, uh, we talked about uh, that Jesus is the bread and the light and the gate. He kind of led us through, uh, to salvation through him. As we, uh, as we looked at uh, obedience to, as a good shepherd, the resurrection and the vine, we were learning about obedience under him. And then finally, we uh, gained some maturity in the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, a lot of times people talk about being Christ-like, and they say, what are you talking about? That's not even possible. Is it possible? I think being Christ is not possible. <laughs> Nobody else can be, can be Christ, but we can absolutely be Christ-like. That Christ, the word Christian essentially means little Christ, mm-hmm. and that Jesus one of the reasons Jesus came is to represent to us what it likes to be man, to be human, 100% human, but to walk in a way that God would lead us to walk. He represented that. He represented that to us. Now, to have the expectation that we will be perfect is foolish. I think you set yourself up for failure if you think that you're going to you're going to be perfect. Yeah, when was the last time you accomplished that, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm 29 years and no, I haven't accomplished it. I haven't accomplished it yet, but Paul does write that we can strive for perfection. That constantly self-improving ourselves, looking for opportunities to self-improve ourselves, looking at the SWOT analysis and saying, where am I weak or where are my opportunities? Where are my threats? And how can I improve on those on those areas is extremely important for us to do. So yeah, I would say that being Christ-like is something that can be achieved. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be perfect. You're not going to represent it all the time. But walking in love, the fruits of the Spirit, mm-hmm. these things wouldn't be written in the Bible if we couldn't accomplish these, these things. Mm-hmm. It's like when you go to the gym. You're going you're gonna to work out, and maybe you have a goal of being able to bench press 315 pounds. So when you start off, your first time ever going to the gym, you're not going to be able to do that. Now, you've seen other people that have done it, but you're not there yet. So you're going to work towards getting that. You're going to show up. You're going to work out your different body parts. You're going to make improvements. You're going to make, as they say, gains. Mm-hmm. And then eventually you'll be able to get that where you achieve that 315 pounds. And so when we look as fathers at the roadmap that's been laid before us in the Bible, that's our, that's our playbook. That's our strategy for, for success. Mm-hmm. That's you know, the construction plans of how, as we've talked about, how we can build that wall and how we can achieve living a life that's Christ-like. I absolutely think it's achievable. And it's just going to take a concerted and focused effort every single day to achieve that. And a lot of times, as you know, it isn't the end goal that is so critical. It's the journey that, yep. that you're that you're really uh, that's what you're living through, and that's what you're exemplifying as you as you touch these young kids that are growing up underneath you as a dad. Is is you're letting them know that yeah, I'm I'm going to fall short, but I'm going to be more Christ-like today than yesterday, more Christ-like tomorrow than today. So it's the journey understanding that we, we are going to stumble, we're going to fall short, uh, but, uh, but we do always strive for that uh, perfect, uh, the perfect one. And as fathers, we, we need to do that in such a way that we bring our kids into 
those conversations. Mm -hmm. We involve those kids in our experiences. Mm -hmm. my, my mother and father growing up, they involved us in some mature conversations. And maybe other kids our age, I have two, two younger brothers, maybe other kids our age weren't involved with. But my parents wanted to, to teach us, they wanted to show us, they wanted to prepare us for what the future, what the future held. Mm -hmm. And so as we go through our successes, we celebrate that with our kids and with our wives. For our failures or our disappointments, we mourn with our kids and with our wife. Mm -hmm. We involve them in that, in that process mm -hmm. because that sets them up for future success. My dad always told my brothers and I that he's like, I'm you know, chopping down the trees, I'm clearing the ground, I'm laying the sidewalk, the road, I'm preparing all the way to a certain point for you guys. So that way when you come, you can very quickly and easily get to where I was at and then you can take it even, even further. Mm -hmm. He's like, I don't want you to struggle with the same things that I struggled with. Mm -hmm. And he was very open and transparent about that. Mm -hmm. I can remember from my mother coming home from school and she would be worshiping to some worship music in the, in the living room as I would get off the bus and come in the front door. Mm -hmm. It wasn't some closet Christianity right. that they tried to keep from us. Mm -hmm. They wanted to be open and transparent and visible about what that looked like. Sure. That when we got older, of course, they could have more mature conversations with us about mm -hmm. finances and the challenges that they face. My dad and I would grab breakfast once a week in the morning and he would talk to me about the difficulties and frustrations with his, with his job. Mm -hmm. And there were even times as a child, I was able to share advice with him mm -hmm. that he was able to take and you and utilize. Mm -hmm. So as fathers, open yourselves up to your kids, mm -hmm. be transparent with them mm -hmm. and protect them, but involve them. Mm -hmm. You'll be surprised not only what you can do for them, but what they can do for you as well. Right, and, and in the process, you're kind of putting them on a faster track to spiritual maturity that may surprise you. Yeah, you know, hopefully, that's, hopefully, that's, yeah. yeah. You know, what I learned at 30, you can learn at uh, 10 or 12, and that's a, that's a huge deal. So we, we uh, had the foundation, and we, we've talked about the cracks there. We've talked about uh, uh, conforming to uh, Christ, and and uh, we, we also we, we put these gates in place, the spiritual disciplines, uh, the disciplines of, of, uh, of prayer, scripture, and fasting that uh, these were helping us to be wise in this world. Uh, the the uh, worship, study, and journaling help us to discern, and then the uh, the uh, the the uh, submission, the frugality, and the stewardship allow us to really be uh, the to proceed to like say faith without works is dead. That means that we've matured to a way that we want to glorify the Father through our obedience and our ability to do what He calls us to do to persevere, as we say. Uh, are there are any of those gates in your life? I would say that you know there's usually a, flat, a, a gate that isn't quite secure, maybe flapping in the wind or whatever. Any of those gates particularly uh, challenging to you? I, I think it's get different gates at different at different times. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. based off of what you're experiencing in life and and what's going on. It's you know in politics sometimes you have a different gate that might flap open because of that, and then at home life you know there's a gate that's flapping open and. All of a sudden you look around and you're like, wow, I've got quite a few gates open. I need to, I need to address, I need to address these. And then you just, you, you work on those. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just you needing to take time to step back and to remove yourself from everything in a sense of focusing on yourself and asking God to, to share with you and to show you what gates are open. Mm -hmm. Because you might have a gate that's open that you don't even realize. Mm -hmm. But asking God to show you, to reveal the things that are hidden, to reveal and shine a light upon what's happening in the darkness, to show you where those gates are, is an extremely important 
humbling and difficult thing to do. Mm-hmm. And I think you know one thing to remember in the uh, in Nehemiah's day, uh, people didn't typically attack the walls. They, their enemies attack the gates because the gates were the most vulnerable areas to get. So, so you see the devil coming in saying, "You don't have time to read scripture today. You don't have time to pray. You know, you got a lot of these things coming at you to impede these disciplines that you may practice." And uh, so, uh, that's where I was asking: Is there any any particular attack? Have you been sensitive and realized that the, there's one or two areas the devil's trying to attack you? I would say probably the most um, prevalent one in in 2022. So in the the past three months for me, especially in the world of politics is, is confidence in that you are good enough that while some people might come up against you, some people might challenge you, some people might question you, some people might intentionally try to tear you down, that you are, you are good enough Mm -hmm. that your father, Heavenly Father loves you, your spouse loves you, and your, your kids your kids love you. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, that's the most important thing. Mm-hmm. It, it's not about doing, it's not about being, it's not about what you're accomplishing, but it's about your identity. It's about who you were created to be, which at the end of the day, it's a husband, it's a father, it's a, it's a, it's a friend. It's the identity, and out of your identity comes activity but it's identity, it's identity first. Mm-hmm. And so in the world of politics, you constantly have people that look at you not as a, as a person, but just as a, as a figure or as an entity. Mm-hmm. And some of the things that they say or the things that they do towards you, it, it can definitely challenge you mm-hmm. some, sometimes mm-hmm. and how you, how you respond to them. And for me, I've really had to work towards not shutting myself off completely. Because if you just become numb to it, I think that's a bad place as well. You still want to remain sensitive to it. Mm-hmm. But I don't let what other people say or what other people believe about me to transform who I am as a person. Mm-hmm. That you need to continue doing what's right and striving towards, towards that. Because then at the end of the day, you can look at yourself in the, in the mirror. Mm-hmm. So self-confidence has been an area as a, as a father that the gate's kind of been a little bit loose and we've had to secure. And I've had to secure myself because if I'm not confident in myself, then it impacts my confidence in my relationship with my wife and my relationship with my, my kids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And as fathers, we have people that are depending upon us. We have people that need us. Mm-hmm. And we need to make sure that we are confident in ourselves, so that way we can be what those people need us to be. Yeah, I think what you're really referring to is there. There's there's things that are trying to impede your ability to persevere and get mm-hmm. the job done that you're called to do. Yeah, and, uh, So yeah, that's uh, that would be uh, that that siege against that gate of, of perseverance. And I applaud that sensitivity to realize that that's one of the things we got to do. But uh, so that's. Now, what I what I was uh, uh, where I was going with some of this is, you know, we you're absolutely right that you know who we are and whose we are because that's what Nehemiah was really trying to do was reestablish Jerusalem as a holy city different than the surrounding lands and reestablish the uh, Israelites and whose they were. Now he relied on Ezra to do some teaching at the end of that deal to uh, remind the Israelites that we have to be different. And I think at one point they even charged, hey, if if you've married a, a foreign woman. Go out. Uh, you know, if you if you feel that uh, is is who you are, then go outside the city and continue that relationship. But if you're going to be in here, 
here, these are going to be uh, Israel as an Israelite uh, community because he had, uh, again, these were his chosen people that had certain criteria that they were supposed to meet, right? So uh, that uniqueness and that ability to know who you are and whose you are is huge that allows you to maintain that character and persevere. And, and it doesn't know. happen overnight. It's not a, a snap of the fingers and then it takes place. It's not a, a poof that just all of a sudden you're, you're there. Yeah, yeah. It, takes, it takes work. It takes refinement. It takes consistency. We talked in the first podcast about, mm -hmm. about consistency. Sure. And working towards that and understanding that where you are today is not where you're going to be tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And where you're going to be tomorrow is not where you're going to be 10, 10 years from now. Mm -hmm. uh, watch a, a video, Matthew McConaughey, who's an actor was he accepted an award and he won an award. And he was talking about during his speech of the award, and it's just something that stuck with me for my life. He said that whenever he was younger, starting out in, in, in life, he had a teacher that asked him, that said, Matthew, who do, you, who, do you wanna, who do you wanna idolize in life? Who do you want to say, man, that person is so amazing. I wanna be like, I wanna be like that person. And so he's like, well, let me, let me think about it. Let me get back to you. So he thinks about it for, for a little bit, all right? You know, this isn't a biblical perspective, but just a practical one. He's like, who do I want to idolize? Who do I want to be striving towards to be like? Mm -hmm. After a little bit, he goes back to the teacher, and he says to the teacher, my idol is me, but 10 years in the future. And then 10 years in the future is my idol is me 10 years in the future. Oh. Because we're never going to necessarily get to mm. where where we're necessarily going, mm. but it's the constant perseverance. It's the it's the working. It's mm. the self in, self improvement. It's the mm -hmm. recognizing that you're not not perfect. Mm -hmm. That allows us to hopefully be better tomorrow than we are today, right. and make it make an impact that lasts a lifetime. Yeah, the only qualification I put on that, which I'm sure he would do, because I believe he is a Christian. He'd say, "I'm, I'm who the Lord wants me to be Absolutely. ten years from now." Absolutely, and, that's uh, the most important that's, thing. <laughs> that's right. And uh, we know the Lord's up to something. We just don't always know what it is. Uh, <laughs> one true. thing I do as we wrap up here, Dan, I would appreciate uh, you, you mentioned something earlier that your dad asked uh, for forgiveness. And, uh, you know, as, as we uh, built this spiritual wall, uh, the part of the idea and the part of the whole concept is that a spiritual wall helps us navigate through some of life's challenges, whether it's a challenge of how to be a father, the best father we can be, how to navigate through busyness and the regular workplace, which are some of the things our study uh, actually provides examples how to apply uh, the spiritual wall concept to. But uh, when, you, when you look at forgiveness, what were, what were some of the things that came to mind as far as what empowered you uh, number one, I think it's uh, you know very uh, impressive that your dad asked forgiveness. Uh, but what empowered you to for with the ability to forgive? That's a great question. What I've learned in my life is forgiveness is always a two-way street. Mm -hmm. it means that there's somebody that's coming to you and asking for forgiveness, and then there's you forgiving. Mm -hmm. Now. At the same time, even though it's a two-way street, you can't necessarily control the other person's uh, positioning or response to what might be happening. Mm -hmm. for, for example, you can come to somebody and ask them for forgiveness. They might not forgive you. Then mm -hmm. there might be a situation where you were wronged and you forgive a person, but they might not ask for your, for your forgiveness. Mm -hmm. 
So for me, in the situation with my, my dad, it was a, a recognition that what was done was done. And I have two choices that I can make in life. I can either hold on to it and let this influence and impact me for the rest of my life in probably a not positive way, most likely a negative way, mm-hmm. that would then enter, it would then uh, integrate itself in every relationship that I would have. Mm-hmm. Or I can choose to forgive and I can choose to let go. Mm-hmm. And I can choose to, to move on. Mm-hmm. And at that point in life, I had already done that. But my father humbling himself and coming to me and asking for that forgiveness showed me an incredibly powerful thing. That as men, when we take a proactive approach and we pursue forgiveness, that opens up the opportunity for some people who maybe didn't want to forgive you to forgive you. Mm -hmm. Because you're creating an atmosphere and you're creating an environment that, that invites God, that invites Holy Spirit to come into and to hopefully do do a working there. Mm-hmm. And so from the perspective of us forgiving, we have to determine what type of impact not forgiving would have on our lives. Mm-hmm. And evaluating those options and what that means, you have to make a decision from from there. Mm-hmm. What's it what's it going to do? Mm-hmm. I think forgiveness is always the better route better route to go. Well, I would uh, just, uh, utilizing what we've just spent some time talking about over these four sessions, I would say that uh, your your foundation was rock solid and that your understanding that when Jesus was on that cross, he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. So you recognize that we have a forgiving Lord, that uh, if he's forgiven us, why in the world would we withhold forgiveness of someone else? When I look at my life, I see with all I've done, uh, there's nothing anybody can do to me that, that uh, is, is worse than, than that, right? So the ability to forgive is understanding that my foundation and understanding our Lord as my Savior is huge. And that, so that foundation was rock solid. And then on the, on the other side, when you look at the walls, you, you, you remember he said he's the good shepherd. You know, that we're to be leading that way. What better way to lead than to follow the example that Christ provided, right? And uh, so you did that beautifully in, in leading the way and being the good shepherd for your kids because when you honor your father as forgiveness, then you're, uh, it, you know, that's the command with the promise, remember, that uh, you live, uh, you, you're guaranteed long lives, that the, uh, you know, the sins of the father go out three and four generations, but the love of the father, the willingness to forgive goes out a thousand generations. So I want some of that thousand generation stuff, right? And then finally, when you, when you look at the gates, you, you, that's that discipline that you had in worshiping and studying, understanding the Lord, to the full again open the door so i, I think uh, you, so your spiritual wall was rock solid uh, a foundation your walls were in place your gates were secure and you were blessed i uh, know you blessed your dad you don't realize the blessing that it is for you possibly for a number of years down the road yeah, not too not too shabby huh not too, <laughs> not, not, too, too not too shabby it, uh, it, it's the the there's nothing better than to see the generational impact to watch your kids mature and when your kids know the Lord and they know you, then you've been paid in full. That's it. It's uh, my, my parents set a trajectory for my brothers and I that we now have the opportunity to, to build on and to continue with, with our kids. Mm-hmm. And it's the choices that my parents made that broke generational curses off our, our family's life. 
and set us down a new a new path. And because of that, we now have an opportunity to pass that on, my wife and I, to, to our kids and to establish this legacy. And you know, you hear in the economic sense, people talk about generational wealth. Yeah. Well, I think our riches are in heaven. And I think that there's nothing greater that I can give my kids and as fathers that we can give our kids than showing them what it means to build our walls and to establish our gates and to prepare ourselves and fortify ourselves spiritually. Mm. If that's all that we give our, our kids in life, that's probably the greatest thing that we can give. Well said, Dan. Thank you again for being here, Mr. Dan Davis, uh, joining us on this podcast. Uh, Dads, I remind you to uh, go back to uh, go to faithfulfathering.org and uh, hit the For Dads button to uh, download the uh, PDF of this particular study, Nehemiah Initiative, and uh, learn more about uh, how you can apply what a spiritual wall provides in the life of a, of a dad, as a husband, as a father, uh, as a man in this world to navigate well. So uh, download that and enjoy the study. Feel free to holler at, uh, contact us via email through our website or what have you. But uh, I just encourage you on the journey to do all you can to be the man, husband, father you're called to be. So uh, Dan, thank you again for being in the studio with us. Appreciate you being here. God bless and Godspeed.